This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Hey, you found us again. No Stop Lights. We do podcast with, with political people, political figures. Um, one of my great passions in life, one of my, um, I guess, I would, I would call myself a glutton for punishment, is my love, um, almost irrational love, of Gamecock football. So when we had a podcast studio constructed, I had some buddies of mine very involved in Garnet Trust. I had another buddy of mine, Rick Havacost and Mickey Fins, who I knew shared my irrational passion for Gamecock football, went to Rick and said, hey, um, I need you to help me launch a podcast separate of no stoplights, but but kind of half pregnant with no stoplights. I understand you can't be half pregnant. Well, in today's world, who knows? There may be such a thing as half pregnant, uh, since there are more than two, two genders. Um, I'll leave the politics out of this. But anyway, went to Rick. Rick agreed to be our sponsor um, for Garnet Trust. Garnet Trust is the NIL collective of the University of South Carolina. Um, Rick Havacost is very involved in Garnet Trust. I'm very involved in Garnet Trust, but not as involved as our next two guests. We're going to do this kind of um, one at a time because I think these guys share different responsibilities at Garnet Trust. But um, very seldom, back to Mickey Fins, very seldom do you go to a place and get the widest variety, the best selection at the best price. I mean, if you're a consumer of alcohol or anything for that matter, you normally have to go to a certain place and pay a little more for the premiums, go to another place to get the, you know, the um, the the Joe six-pack, literally and figuratively. Rick's done a good job of figuring out a way to offer the widest variety, some of the upscale choices, along with some of the Joe six-pack choices, at the best prices. Uh, Mickey Fins, uh, I guess, is the official um, libation provider for the University of South Carolina. So when Rick Havacost agreed to be our sponsor, uh, Mickey Fins, on behalf of Rick Havacost, agreed to be our sponsor. We t- decided that once a month we're going to do a Garnet Trust podcast, and we're going to talk about the current state of college football. And you can't talk about the current state of college football without talking about NIL. Um I know the other universities have NILs. I know some are underperforming, some are some are overperforming. I don't much care. I mean, the Gamecocks are my team. It's Rick's team. So I want to um, introduce Jeremy Smith, who is Director of Operations for Garnet Trust, and I want him to thank, along with me, Rick Havacost and Mickey Fins. Absolutely. Thank uh, you, Rick, for all that you do for the Garnet Trust and uh, and Mickey Fins for the wide selection of uh, beverages that you have for the for the fans to enjoy, uh, I can't wait to stop by there on my way out of town. Uh, Jeremy, I, I hear this every day, and I'm sure you do as well. I don't like this damn NIL. I don't like this collective. They're ruining college football. Explain to the college football fan what exactly you do day by day by day, making sure the University of South Carolina's football and athletic programs in general remain competitive. Right. Now, well, first and foremost, I don't like it either. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it is is working the way that it was intended. Uh, I think there needs to be some changes. But here we're here, and we can't put our head in the sand and hope it goes away. We got to make the best of it, and so that's what we're here to do. And and my responsibilities on a day to day basis is working with the athletes and helping them fulfill their deliverables. They have to work for the money that they get. It's not just given to them. And they go off into the sunset. They have to actually do jobs. For us, that job might be working inside a charity, helping them gain more exposure so that their donors 
rise that rise the money for them. It might be working, uh, doing an, a fan event, doing signing autographs for some fans, being engaging to the fans, be more exposed to the fans that sit in the stadium and cheer for them every single day. Uh, so I deal a good part of that. Um, I also work with the coaches uh, to make sure that what we're doing aligns with what their values are. Um, and then I also just do a lot of just the general operational stuff to make sure the payers get paid when they're supposed to, make sure that they have the education that they are supposed to have to make sure they manage the money the best way they can. Um, and so that's what I primarily do on a daily basis. Jeremy, the best part of your job is you are a uh, not an official representative, but you are in some way, shape, or form a representative of Gamecock football. The Gamecocks are in the SEC. Right. That cuts both ways. The good part of that is you're on television all the time. You play the best programs in America. The bad part of that is you're competing against programs that have tradition and generational commitments to football. I'm arguing, and I want to get your take on this, that this is a reset in college football. This is a chance for Gamecock Nation, I don't want to say to catch up, but to embrace this new model we don't have the generational success. We don't have the tradition of an Alabama or an LSU or a Tennessee, but we do have the st same starting blocks that they do today. Is that a fair and accurate representation? And, and, and what, is the, what is it that the Gamecock Nation needs to do to help us be successful in this new model that you know I like? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we are. We're, we're, we're on an even playing field to some degree. I think uh, we are a year behind a lot of the other collectives and what's been going on. But I think we have the ability to be to catch up quickly, to to be more uh, sound in our in our in our direction to this. I mean, we always talk about this in the office is, you know, we, we have one of the best fan bases in the country. That stadium has sold out, has been almost filled for almost every game since I was a young boy. Who wants to go to a game? And watch us lose when they probably spent $100, $200, $300, some more that have the, the box seats. Who, who wants to go to that game if we're a three and, uh, three and nine team? No one. No one's going to want to do that. So if you could give an extra 10 bucks a month to get a better team out there, then that's what needs to happen. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If you're going to spend 100 what's 120 do for you? Um, and I think that the, the one of the things that our fan base is, is kind of – uh, hesitant on, and I get this, there's there's no hard feelings, is they don't like the idea that we pay these players. But the money that's generated from their exposure on TV is is unbelievable. And these salaries that coaches and, and athletic departments have are benefiting from the play that these players are doing on the field, on the court. And uh, we, we just need to buck up and do what's right and give them a share of the prize. Jeremy, at the beginning, some of the reports I read, not just at South Carolina, across America – were that the universities and those responsible for funding the programs felt that you were somewhat of a competitor. Have we improved the relationship? I mean, you can't speak to uh, what Ohio State does or what Texas does or what Southern California, but at the University of South Carolina, is there more compatibility within Garnet Trust, the NIL, the collective, and the officialdom known as the University of South Carolina Athletics Department? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it, it was later in 23 that we we kind of got to that point. But let's call it from August through December, we were very involved in meetings on a weekly basis with the athletic department. Uh, we constantly were communicating with them on what we were doing and what they were doing to help support us. Uh, and, and I think we've, we've made a lot of strides. Could it be better? Obviously, any time we're in a situation like this, we always look for a better a way to better ourselves and so forth. But 
it has gone from zero to a hundred in you know from January to August, August a hundred to December, which has been helpful. But you know we're we're in a new year. Uh, things have changed in thirty days. We have to be able to compete with um, our competitors. And it's going to take a lot of work on both our part and the athletics department's take, part. Take us behind the scenes, if you will. You could do this better than anybody I know. Um, one of the great examples of success in the NIL at South Carolina was Spencer Rattler. Um, shows up from Oklahoma. We were told he was a high-maintenance, troubling kid. Um, we make an NIL offer. He accepts the NIL offer. He plays his, I guess, junior year. It would have been, the, you know, he's eligible, I think, to play one more if he chose to, but he's not. He's going on to the, to the pros, and we wish him well. But but when, where, how does Garnet Trust show up in a negotiation with Spencer Rattler? Disclose as much of that interaction as you're comfortable with. Yeah, well, well first and foremost, he was awesome. And I'm really sad to see him leave, not for his talents on the field, but just for him as a human being. He's made me a better person. I'm 48 years old. Um, I, I think he demonstrates anything that we should strive for as a student athlete at University of South Carolina. So that's that that's one thing I'm going to miss dearly about him. But he had a chance to go into the pros last year. And it ultimately came down to being a business decision. And, and I get that. He goes out and gets his grade from the NFL of where he might fall in the draft and gets a, some sort of an idea that if he went pro, he'd be worth this amount of money. And then ultimately... His heart wanted to stay one more year. He felt like he had something more to prove, felt like he could improve his draft status. So I worked with his agent, and we just literally negotiated just like his agent would work with an NFL team or, or whatnot. And so we, we went back and forth a few times, and we made some we conceded on some things, they conceded on some things, and we got to a place where we both felt comfortable, um, and they presented it to, uh, to Spencer, and uh, we were able to close the deal. Tell me some things that Spencer did for the university that the casual and average fan would not know. He spent a lot of times with charities. He did a lot to help, again, boost their visibility to the community. And there's um, an accounting. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's a Garnet Trust accounting of what he gets and what he owes. Is that, that is that fair? That's correct. Yeah. We So we had a list of – he owed us hours. So last year we set up a, a, a number of hours that he had to give us, and we could have him do stuff with charities. We, we could have him do stuff with – um, with fans, with donors. The stuff he did from charities came from the Garnet Trust Foundation, which is our 501c3. And the stuff that was that was done for the donors and for the fans, that came from the Garnet Trust, which is an LLC. College football historically has revolved or centered around the culture of the program. Can the coach development quality players and upperclassmen to contribute mightily? We've all of a sudden got this, this phenomenon called money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that there, there's a scripture. We can get biblical about the love of money. That's right. Um, but, but the reality is, at times, kids find themselves in a situation that they can't be as obligated to culture, the tradition of the program. Money does come into play. How do we make the decision, the commitment that Garnet Trust makes financing a kid's college career? Walk me through or walk our viewers through some of the processes or steps, the interaction between the university, the coaching staff, the kid, the parent, the guardian, whomever makes that deal, as much of that as you're willing to share. What does that entail? A lot of conversations. Uh, we really do ask and lean on the coaches to kind of give us a roadmap. Um, the, the last thing we want to do is – the hard-earned money that our donors give us to ultimately give back to these student-athletes uh, through their work, we want to make sure it's spent wisely. We don't want to give it to a, a student-athlete who might be a, a, a disruption in the locker room 
are, are in the classroom, more importantly, uh, doesn't go to class, things like that. They're not the type of individual we want to work with. And we really want to work with players who are looking at this as a long-term investment. Not all players take the money and do what we want with it, but I mean, any any company gives a paycheck to their employees for the hard work. They can spend it how they want, but we try to guide them and educate them to make sure that you know they they take this money and, and figure out a way to invest it for their future. Because a lot of these uh, young men and women come from underserved communities, and this might be a big part uh, for them and their family. And if they invest it properly and they save it properly, this could set them up for a, a huge success down the road. So, who decides? I mean, I would imagine there are a lot of forces. Kind of, it's almost like a the perfect storm that that consolidates around this particular kid. But who makes the ultimate decision that this is a wise investment for Garnet Trust and the University of South Carolina? Mark and I ultimately make that final decision, but we do lean on our our board and the owners of Garnet Trust and consult with them to make sure that they agree with what we're doing. We we don't just make a decision blindly. We ask for others people's reactions to it, and and, we, and it's good to have that dialogue and have that sometimes. Uh, you know, conversation that is not what they think we should do. And it brings us back to the center and allows us to make us a wiser decision. And Jeremy, we're not the only ones. I hate to say it this way, but it is what it is. We're not the only ones doling out cash. I mean, you've got a lot of other competitors. You've got a, 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 that, that bunch of the upstate. They're doing their thing. Uh, across the state line, Georgia's doing their thing. Florida. Um, the transfer portal seems to be what a lot of college football fans have enormous trouble with. A kid looks to be committed to your program until he ain't. Right. And 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 we found out, you know, that hey, Florida made him a better offer. Georgia made him a better deal. Um, is that frustrating day to day when you are negotiating with a Gamecock player and you find out the next day or a two or three later he's not a Gamecock? He doesn't want to be in a Gamecock. You know, is that just the reality of where we are? It, first, it is very frustrating, and secondly, yes, it's where we are. Um, because of the current rules, or lack of rules, I should say, in NIL space, a lot of this is hearsay. Um, a lot of times, we hear through the grapevine that a university has tell, told a player, hey, we will pay you this. And that and that number is just to get them on campus, because they feel like that player would not come to them unless the money was big enough. They get them on campus, they evaluate them to decide if they're the player they really want to keep, and then they kind of renegotiate that that amount. We've never done that. We we never we never you know say what money is going to be. They need to, they, we want them to commit here because this is where they want to be. Now the transfer portal has definitely caused a lot of um, heartburn in this in this new world because uh, players that traditionally in the past left school, they had to sit out a year. And depending on where you were in your college career, sitting out a year might be very hurtful to the overall, you know, success that you, you're looking to have. Now you can go to a different school. Unfortunately, you can go to a different school every time the portal opens. Um, and uh, that's, it's very difficult, but there's a lot of reasons why the players are going into the portal now. And, and it's not, a lot of it is not NIL related. You, you've told me on multiple occasions that you don't want Garnet Trust to be perceived as an ATM machine. You believe the best collectives in the future will be those that cultivate a relationship with a kid, his family, his uh, his advisor, his agent, whomever he trusts to give good advice. What I mean, why do you think that matters? I mean, in other words, the kid. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, in in in, in the weirdest way imaginable. We're figuring out a way to compensate a kid for athletic performance. I mean, I understand NIL, name image like, because I get the law and the legalities and whatnot. But but you, and I, and I think you're on to something here, Jeremy. When, when you say that you don't want the, 
the player at the University of South Carolina simply look at Jeremy and Mark as, hey, that's the guy with the check. You know, that's the guy that brings me my money when, when it's time. You believe cultivating a relationship is important. Why? I believe it. I, at the end of the day, I think it saves us money. I mean, that's just the God's honest truth. But but the reason we, we want to do that is because it's important for them to see the hard work that Mark and I put in, but all the donors and all the sacrifices the donors make to make what we do successful. Um, if the player had a more inside to that and built a, a relationship with the Garnet Trust on a personal level, I think they would they would be more um, more likely to. I wouldn't say take less money because it's not really again all about the money with them, but it, I think it would help at least show them that there's a lot of people involved to make this happen for them. It is not us. We are just the middleman. We're just the ones who are getting the money from the donors, and we're give, and the players are earning it. But we really believe that if they understood that better, they would probably be a little bit more humbled at some of the things that uh, that they're getting. Do you buy into my notion or my theory that had the NCAA been willing to give a little along and along, they would have never been forced to give the farm away, so to speak? My argument, Jeremy, is the player went from having no leverage to probably too much leverage, and, and we're hopeful that there will be some place of equilibrium sooner or later. Is the NIL era of college football a result of the NCAA wanting too much control, too much manipulation of college football. Well, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, with the with the TV revenue that these schools are, are getting from each conference and, and for us on the ESPN ABC side, um, and, and, and these players are the ones who are making the tackles, scoring the touchdowns, making the baskets, hitting the home runs, making the outs, whatever it may be. Generating the revenue. That's right. And, um, you know, and then all they're seeing is these coaches' salaries go through the roof. And these athletic departments and their and their budgets going through the roof. And yes, that brings some some good stuff to it, but they're left out in the cold. And I think when they the NCAA, you know, got pushback on that and they got sued by that, the wheels started to come off. Um, and they kind of pretended, it, in my opinion only, but I feel like they kind of pretended like they were above the law. They made the rules. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And it, and it hurt the the young men and women who are out there busting their butts every day to show. Uh, to have a good product on the quarter field. You've been here how long? I've been uh, July of 22 is when I joined the Garnet Trust. So Jeremy's from where and was doing what? Before, I guess I can say we plucked you yeah. and, and and put you in this place. So I, I originally am from Columbia. Um, and my family uh, around middle school moved down to Florida. And I've been in Florida and Orlando for uh, quite a long time. And my family's all still here in Columbia, um, but I was—I uh, owned a uh, executive recruiting company. Uh, before that, I was in marketing uh, and national director of marketing for an antivirus uh, software company. So I worked in kind of that sales marketing for the last uh, 25 years. And uh, when this opportunity came available, it was a chance for me to come home. It was a chance for me to give back to the university that I love so dearly because I'm unfortunately the only one in my family not to go to Carolina. Um, so this is kind of me paying them back for all the years of excitement I've been able to have being a fan. And uh, it was just the perfect opportunity. Jeremy, I've heard it said, I think Mark says this better than I will, I can't guarantee you that supporting Garnet Trust will lead to championships. I mean, nobody can make that guarantee. I can assure you, if we don't raise ample money and don't have competitive resources, losing will be very common. 
Is that fair? No, absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, we can't foretell the future. I mean, injuries happen, things of that nature. Uh, but if we just kind of turn our nose up at it and we don't raise the, the funds needed um, to support the NIL at the University of South Carolina, um, it will be a very, very uh, tough place to uh, enjoy watching sports. How much better are we today than we were the day you got here? I, I, I can't even put a percentage on it because it has too many zeros. Um, but it, it's been amazing. I mean, to be completely honest, I think, and, and Mark can probably talk to this a little bit better, uh, I think we are over uh, 10 times the the revenue, if you will, or the donations coming into to, uh, Carolina that we were in 22. What, what, what do you tell, and this will be my last question, I'll get to Mark here in a second, what do you tell the donor and non-donor? I mean, there are people out there with, with a lot of money, there are people out there who don't have a lot of money, but they love Gamecock football. Why does that $10 a month, $20 a month, $25 a month? I mean, naturally, we believe you go to the wealthiest supporters of University of South Carolina Athletics, but there are many, many, many more people out there that can't write a check for $100,000 or a $1 million, can't get a name on a building. What, what, what do you tell the casual, I, I call them Joe Sixpack. We touched on that at the beginning. Why do you tell, why is it important if that fan becomes a shareholder in Garnet Trust? Not to get political, Bernie Sanders did a pretty darn good job of it running for president. And that was the six-pack Joes and a lot of them giving a little bit of money. And a lot of a, a lot of a little becomes a lot. And and I think people just automatically think, well, you know, $10 isn't going to move the needle. Yeah, if you're the only $10 donor. But if we have 100,000 $10 donors, you know, what does that do? Um, and I, you know, I, I think we are starting to see that. Uh, we did a, a million-dollar match campaign. We had a uh, a donor who was willing to give us a million dollars if we were to raise a million dollars. And we started it basically at the end of November. Um, and we hit it. I mean, and it was a lot, a lot of those small dollar donations that put us over the top. Last question. What, what excites you most about doing the job you do? Truthfully, um, I really like to get to know these players. Um, some of them, I know I talked earlier about, you know, building a deeper relationship. Some I have built a deeper relationship with, and it does change your view of them. You hurt for them when they're not on the field being successful. It's not the typical fan that sits back and just starts, you know, you stink. You're, I, I feel for them because I see the work they put in, um, and they grind, and they grind really hard. The Division One athletes are literally spending 40 hours a week, just shy under 40, within their sport. Then they have school on top of that. And on top of that, now they have to do NIL stuff. So they have very little free time if they want to participate in the NIL space, but they work hard. Um, and to see some of the things that these young men and women have done with the money that they have earned is, is unbelievable. I used to carry on joiners example to carry on grinded and he worked hard and he was loyal to the state of South Carolina and more so the university of South Carolina and he will be set up for for future. We want to make sure that we spread what he did and have him even work with us to, to make sure the other athletes at University of South Carolina understand that if you are an in-state product and you uh, you know devote your four years or five years, depending on the sport, to the University of South Carolina, the state of South Carolina is going to take care of you. And I was talking to Tory Gurley yesterday. He came from New Hampshire down to South Carolina, and he said it by no means I am set for life. He's in Charlotte, and he's doing very well in Charlotte. He's, and he, it's because what he gave back to the, to the university and their fans 
he is now set for the rest of his life. He will always have food on his table. He will always have a roof over his head. And I think a lot of the players are short-sighted, and they don't see that. They see dollar signs in the, sh- in the short term, but there's a lot more value in staying home and being loyal. And it's an ongoing educational process. I mean, the players and universities are learning. You're learning as well. I'm learning a ton. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this, the education for me is is just as important as, as it is for the players. But um, I think we have a good thing going here. I think, to, to your point, we are at a point where we could really take a giant leap forward. Uh, and it doesn't mean we have to have the most money. But if we could take a giant leap forward and we could stop being the afterthought in the SEC. We want to be one of those teams that players desperately want to come to. We want to be one of those teams that has trophies in their trophy case. And NIL is a component of that today, like it or not. Like how structured, I don't. But it is where it is. We have that opportunity. We need to take advantage of that now or sit back and watch it all fall apart. Yeah, we're not going to sit back and watch it all fall apart. Not, nope. with, not with good folks like you doing the, doing the heavy lifting. Um, hey, let's not even take a break. Mark, Mark, you and Jeremy swap places, if you don't mind. We're informal here. Name of the damn thing is No Stoplights. I mean, how formal can you be in a podcast named No Stoplights? Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate that. Um, okay, Mark, you come from politics. I come from, from politics. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity. I'll use a technical word. There's a lot of squishiness in American politics. Uh, ideology, philosophy, vote-getting, blah, 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 blah. You talked about Bernie Sanders a second ago. The one truth in all of life is two plus two equals four. You're the money man. I mean, you're responsible for J- Jeremy is negotiating with the players and dealing with the, with the coaches. You're on the trail trying to raise money. You and I have a friend. Um, he says money's the answer. Now, what's the question? In politics, I've always said follow the money. Not some of the time, not most of the time, but rather all of the time. When you and Jeremy accepted this challenge, excuse my French, you ready, Baptist? We didn't know our ass from third base. I mean, we really and truly were building something literally from scratch. We were at the very beginning of that. Where are we today? How much better do you feel about Garnet Trust today than you did, what, a year and three or four months ago? Am I am I pretty close to accurate? You're close. You're close to accurate on uh, on the timeline. As far as where I feel, I mean, we are leaps and bounds better. I mean, we've got we've got a little bit of cash in the bank, and we and we and we got a program to keep keep selling and, and trying to get that message to people. And we we didn't know. I mean, when I started this job, so Jeremy was a little bit ahead of me, but I started this job in January of 2023, a year ago this month. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I knew where my next event was going to be, but I didn't know what, what the long-term plan was. Um, we had to develop that long-term plan, and we have. Um, and I feel comfortable with where we're headed. Um, yeah, could we always do better? Absolutely. And, and Jeremy was spot on about that. But I, I feel great about the the buy-in that we've gotten. I mean, before football season this year, I would, I would argue that 90% of a common Gamecock fan probably didn't know what Garnet Trust was, or if they knew what it was, they didn't know exactly what they did. We we spent time advertising at games. We spent time on radio shows. We spent time, you know, using the players to to get our message out. If you are a Gamecock fan in January of 2024 and you don't understand Garnet Trust, a little bit of it's on you at this point. I mean, you know, we 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 I dedicated 2023. Obviously, we had to raise money. We had we had to keep players. We had to make sure we took care of the guys that were on our roster at South Carolina. But 2023 was about education. And it was about making sure that Gamecock fans across the state and across the country understood the importance of NIL at South Carolina and the importance that Garnet Trust was a part of that equation. Now, it's if you're not part of the of the solution, you're part of the problem. 
and and you understand that. Okay, let's go down this road for a second with you. Um, I think Jeremy agreed with me that it's different to the SNC, SEC. Um, I mean, it just means more. That's their marketing slogan. But the reality is, once Oklahoma and Texas get in the league, I mean, it raises the bar. I mean, it really and truly does. Um, is that daunting? Is that intimidating? Is that do you welcome that challenge? Should the Gamecock Nation be told clearly and plainly that if we don't keep up, we get left behind? I mean, it. it Mark, the concern that I have, and you've had, you and I have had all the air conversations. You gotta ask the fan base to do more without insulting the fan base, and that's a hard needle to thread. Yeah, absolutely. But but to answer your first question, you damn right I welcome the the challenge, right? I mean that that's what we that's what we joined the SEC for. We didn't join the SEC to get more TV revenue. We didn't join the SEC so that you know you could be a part of this prestige, you know, it just means more conference. You join the SEC so you can compete with the big dogs. And, you know, I, I, I've, had, I've heard a saying from a, a long time ago that if, if you can't run with the big dogs, you might as well stay on the porch. And as, as a fan base, we've got to make that decision. You're either going to run with Texas, you're either going to run with Alabama, or you're going to sit on the porch, right? And, and I hope that Gamecock fans, you know, are, are, are listening whenever, whenever they hear this podcast um, or watching that, that they've got to make a decision that we're not going to sit on the porch. Do you understand, not the complaint, but do you understand from the donors and the season ticket holders, look, man, I'm doing all I can. It seems like the university should be partially responsible for paying or compensating or NIL, like, you know, the, the deal they make with the players. You're, you're asking me for more and more, and I only have so much. You hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. There may be a new model on the other side of today. I mean, there's legislation pending that there are a lot of um, nuanced debates being had around around NIL. But right now, the only way to fund NIL is the fans' commitment. That's right. I mean, and that's the way that – and, you know, my argument back is everyone else is doing this too, right? I mean, yes, absolutely. Jeremy specifically does a great job of of exploring other revenue streams. It's not sustainable long-term – to be competitive for any school, not just South Carolina, if you just keep relying on donors. Because eventually you're going to have a bad season and some of that money is going to dry up or whatever it may be, right? But, but yes, absolutely, we, we, we are going to the same people asking for a little bit more money. But as Jeremy said earlier, I'm asking the person that is investing $150 to go watch South Carolina play Texas A&M, and I'm asking them for another 50 bucks so they can put a competitive product on the field. Do you believe in the Bernie Sanders model? I, I don't believe in it solely. Um, and I think it works differently at, at different places. At South Carolina, I think it has absolutely got to be part of our recipe, right? I mean, our goal is to have 5,000 people that are giving $25 a month. Look at the camera and say that. I need 5,000 people to join Garnet Trust and give $25 a month. I mean, that's a million and a half dollars of sustainable revenue that I can count on no matter what that, that is coming in on a recurring basis. And that's just for the people that give that that's just if only people gave twenty five bucks a month. And there's a level that you can give a hundred dollars a month. There's a level that you can give a thousand bucks a month. There's a level that you can give ten dollars a month if that's all you can afford. There and I tell people this all the time. There is a spot for every single Gamecock fan. I don't I don't like you know, you bring it up, you're I'm going to the people that, you know, they say, well I spend money on tickets and tailgating and and popcorn and everything else that, that comes along with going to a South Carolina sporting event. If you're doing it, you can afford 10 bucks a month. You're, you're going to go to Starbucks and spend $10 tomorrow morning on coffee. When I hear complaints and criticisms, it leads normally with, well, I mean, we can't keep up with Texas and Texas A&M. 
We can't keep up with Ohio State and Michigan. Those are huge universities, tradition-rich programs, big alumni. Is there has there been an evaluation from your and Jeremy's perspective, or maybe the university's perspective? And I'm not saying, hey, what neighborhood are we in? Who should we compete with? But are there similar universities in our conference that we can use as our benchmarks? Yeah, there are absolutely similar schools in the in the conference that you can use as benchmarks from from an NIL perspective. Missouri, Ole Miss. Auburn have all done outstanding jobs of of getting their programs off and, and running. And similar universities. Absolutely. I mean, that they're, they're you know Alabama, Mississippi. You know Missouri's a little different. I mean, and I, I I will say this. You know Missouri has Kansas City and St. Louis in their in their in their boundaries. There's heavily a lot populated metropolitan area. Heavy populated, heavy business, heavy industry, and it's the only state school, right? But so, you would agree. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. We're gonna get argumentative here on the, on the podcast. You would agree that the Chiefs, the Royals, and the Cardinals. Also, kind of take away some of that, some of that money entertainment they take away dollars. Some of the money, but they, th- that is still their college, right? Okay. If, if I if I grew up in in suburbia in St. Louis, and my dad worked at Anheuser Busch, and I went to the University of, of or you know the University of Missouri, and 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 you know, and I went back and I worked for you know Edward Jones, or I went to Kansas City and and worked for a big corporation out there. I mean, you know, the, yeah, I might go to the, I might go to the Chiefs fans and, and spend a bunch of money pulling for Patrick Mahomes. But but I'm still going to be a Missouri Tiger, right? You know, I mean, and that's a little bit different than we have in South Carolina. And in South Carolina, you're either you're either Tiger or you're a Gamecock. Um, but there, you're only a you're you're an M I Z Z O U, and uh, and that 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 makes them a little different. And and the second thing is, and I'll, I'll I'll talk about this for a second. I mean, there are a lot of schools that have you know in that air in the midwestern part of the country that have heard all in all about oh how great the SEC is. Well, for a lot of those states, they are the closest school. They're the closest SEC school. Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska. I mean, and, and you and I are not. I mean, Ohio State can't get all of them. Notre Dame can't get all of them. Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, they can't get all of them. So you you all of a sudden, you, you take you take the confines of Missouri and you take every talent there because you got the two, two of the largest 30 cities in America that are there. And then... And then you go, you start cherry picking a, a few from Iowa, a few from Nebraska, a few from a couple big guys from Minnesota that grew up on cornfields. All of a sudden, you got a pretty good offensive lineman. Walk me through, because you, you've shared this with me off the air and, and share as much of this as you're comfortable with. I think it surprised you at how many alumni of South Carolina were living in places other than uh, our, our native state, our home state. Um, you've got to deal with a sports bar in New York City that I find so interesting. Tell as much of that as you're comfortable. Yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, so we, you know, we we realize that. Listen, South Carolina is is South Carolina. It's the fastest growing state in the country. Um, but there are a lot of people that are connected to South Carolina in more ways than just that they went to school there or their or their kids went to school there, whatever it may be. Um, and you know, there are places D.C. New York, Dallas, Chicago, Miami, Florida. I mean, there are a ton of places, and it's almost a little bit like recruiting, right? You know, I mean, I, I you know, Shane, I say Shane, Coach Beamer has has done a really good job of of trying to locate these talented guys, and that's same same model that we that Missouri has had in the Midwest that we've had a little bit in in North Carolina and and Virginia. Hey, we're the closest, we're we're your closest school. We're we're a direct flight from D.C. 
to, you know, we're a direct flight from New York to South Carolina, right? Those are places where it's easy for us to get to, and you got to go find some donors there, right? So we've got a deal with the Mason Jar, and we'll give the Mason Jar a shout out here. We might need to get, they deserve it. We might need to get Mickey Finns to give them, send, send them a, ca- a case of liquor so they can serve uh, some South Carolina alcohol at their, Rick at will their do bar. It. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, you know, we, we went up there for the Texas A&M game and, and had a Garnet Trust. Gamecock Club Mason Jar co-branded event at the uh, at their at their restaurant during the Texas A&M game this past year. Jeremy and I went up there, took our wives, had a great had a great trip, um, and raised raised some money. I mean, there were some guys that were very serious about supporting South Carolina NIL uh, that are that live in New York City, and and the reality is is it's almost more appealing for someone like that to do it because they grew up probably in the Northeast. They went to their, the closest SEC school. They wanted to go to a big time football environment. They came down here, went to the Darlamore School of Business, got a great master, you know, a great degree in finance, went back to New York City. They're living on Wall Street and making a bunch of money, but they probably come to one game a year. They don't, they don't buy the season tickets. They might go to New York Jets games. They might go to Giants games. They come to one South Carolina game a year. The guys that own the Mason Jar come to one South Carolina game a year, but they love the game box and they watch every Saturday. What more of a way for you to impact your viewing experience than to say, hey, I give a hundred bucks a month to the Garnet Trust to make sure that we've got good players. And every now and then some of those players come up here. We had Spencer Rattler went to the Mason Jar in early December, took his girlfriend to uh, to New York City for the first time, and they went to the Mason Jar. Had, uh, had a couple other players from South Carolina that went this past week, finished up their winter break, took, went up to to New York City and went to the Mason Jar. So there, there, it's a great partnership that we have with, with the Mason Jar, and we're super excited for that. And we're gonna we're we're gonna do an event with Coach Beamer in, in New York here in the in the spring. Let's um, let, Jeremy and I were talking a second ago about the um, I don't know the the newness of NIL, the traditional model of college athletics. You got an AD, you got a board, you got a president, you got all these th- th- these you know positions that have been around forever. NIL shows up. And I got to believe the University Gamecock Club, uh, the Athletics Department are calling on people who have made contributions to the university. They were a little bit leery. I don't want to say suspicious. I think that's unfair. But they were nervous that this new apparatus that kind of complements football, basketball, baseball, and women's basketball. We'll get to that in a second. But you guys were fighting for the same dollars. Has that relationship become more compatible? I mean, there's always the yin and yang of, of you know, I'm calling on behalf of Garnet Trust. I'm calling up on behalf of the Gamecock Club. But do we have a little more uh, seamlessness yeah, in, in that abs- arrangement? Absolutely. I mean, this was n- new. I mean, I was very fortunate to have a lot of good relationships with the folks that were with the, that work within the athletic department before I started this job. Um, I've been a loyal Gamecock for a long, long time. You you know that, and I've seen a lot of these people just and built friendships with a lot of those folks that 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 work in the athletic administration. So, you know, it was never a ruffle my feathers type thing, but it was very much was, you know, this is, this is new and we've got to get, we got to get adjusted to this newness. And I mean, this, this new year is going to be totally different than, than what we even experienced in 2023. I mean, we're so thankful for the, the million dollar match. The university was very big and instrumental in, in helping us find that donor and also promoting the million dollar match program. We would never, we would have never been able to achieve that full match without the support from the university of South Carolina and the athletic department and we're just continuing to work on that relationship moving forward let's go let's go back to our, our previous life mark mark shadowed me when i was lieutenant governor one day and i was afraid that they were going to keep him and, and run me off they ran me off they just didn't they just didn't keep him um some of these states that have done extremely well with nil have gotten their general assembly involved 
I, for one, believe we have to adopt some NIL legislation in our state. You and I have kicked the can on what that needs to be or what it doesn't need to be or who needs to, to bless it, who needs to sign off on it. Is that critical to the NIL being the essential part of building a winning program? How important is it for Clemson and South Carolina to sign off on an NIL legislation that makes life better and us more competitive in some of these states that have embraced NIL. You know, part of, as we talked about earlier, part of being in the SEC is is competing with the big dogs. And you've got to find, you've got to be, you know, unique in finding new ways to be competitive. And if that means we need to go to the legislature, then that means we need to go to the legislature. If that means that I need to kick open, you know, if I need, if I need to start turning in aluminum cans just to make more money, that, that's what we got to do. We've got to kick every option open and, and see if it works, right? I mean, and I, I am a big believer that we got to test everything. And, and this is a new world for everybody. It's been, we're only in its third year. It's been in existence for two full, two and a half full years. Um, and, uh, and you know, everybody's finding new things, you know, out along the way. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that legislative proposal, now what that looks like, I don't know exactly. I don't know that any of us know really. Um, but find out something that works for, for us. And obviously within the state of South Carolina would have to benefit coastal Clemson and South Carolina for, as far as division one football programs. Um, but, but we got to make sure that we, we're testing every option. Mark, who holds you and Jeremy accountable? Who makes sure you're doing the job that you say you're doing? I mean, I know there's a board in place. There was a recent purchase, but, but, but I mean, I think, I think people who, are concerned about the newness of it. I don't know, Mark. I don't know, Jeremy. I love the Gamecocks, but I don't. I, there's some questions I have. Who holds you guys accountable? Who makes sure you're doing right by the student athlete, the fan, and the university? I, I think it's a little bit of of everything above, right? I mean, there there is a board that I answer to. There's a, a group of owners that I answer to. You know, send them quarterly reports, have monthly board meetings, those kind of things that we that we talk about with those folks. Um, a lot of phone calls in, in between with all those people as well. But I mean, I think it's a little bit of the university as well. It's the players that hold us accountable, right? I mean, if if I'm not making my payments to the guys, you're going to hear about it on 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 social media or or from them or whatever it may be. Um, and I mean, and it's fans that hold us accountable, right? I mean, sometimes fans say, "Hey, I want I want my donation to go to women's basketball. Hey, I want my I want my donation to go to 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 football, whatever it may be." And a lot of it is the is the coaches to make sure that I am providing that my job every morning when I wake up is to provide the resources to our athletic coaches to make sure they have the tools to be successful. And and if they don't have the tools, you best believe that you you will probably hear about it. There, there comes times in all of our lives we tip our hat to our competitors, to our foes, to, to our mortal enemies at times. My observation, and you guys live it, you breathe it, you eat it, you sleep it, you must. It's your job. you got to be successful. But it seems to me that Missouri and Ole Miss were two programs that embraced NIL. And because of embracing NIL, excelled on the football field, right or wrong, no, I think you're right, and I will I will point out, I think both of them have done it a little bit two different ways. Um, you know, Ole Miss has very much embraced the transfer portal. I mean, they went, they've got, I mean, they're, they're recruiting ranking. True high school recruiting is actually ranked below South Carolina, but they went heavy into the transfer portal. That's kind of been their their mentality that they want to they embrace. Missouri, in part for their, their state law of keeping guys in state, they've still got great high school recruiting, and they've supplemented with, with, 
transfer portal. So it's a little bit of a two two different approaches, right? One is transfer portal heavy a little bit. Um, still some great great athletes that they recruited out of high school uh, that Coach Kiffin has done at at University of Mississippi at Missouri. I mean they they they've trusted their recruiting. They went six and seven, six and seven back to back years before they went ten and two this year. Last year they only had one major deflection from their uh, from their team, a guy named Dominic Lovett who went to Georgia actually and who really hasn't played a ton. Um, but they replaced that with a with a transfer portal or wide receiver Theo Wace from from Oklahoma who had a great game against uh, Ohio State and uh, and and they've kind of built it that way. So it's it yes it's NIL prominent, but it's two different ways to do it. Um, and so I think I don't necessarily know which we're going to find out a little bit more as as time progresses. Which one of those models is probably best? You know we saw A and M a couple of years ago in 2022. They went NIL heavy, but they went NIL heavy in the high school recruiting ranks. I mean, they, 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 they went, they signed 25 kids, you know, they said each of them was going to make, I mean, they were throwing out numbers, you know, anywhere from, you know, $10,000 to a million dollars, right? I mean, they were throwing out, throwing out numbers and they, they kind of promised those numbers to those kids that they didn't always back up on, but, um, but they were able to, but, you know, I mean, so they went all in on the, on the high school ranks. Well, that, that didn't work. I mean, obviously coach, coach Fisher lost his job. It didn't seem, you know, there could have been other reasons for that. It didn't work, but so there are a lot of different avenues for how you want to spend your NIL money. Is it fair to say that the majority of programs that have been successful plug gaps with portal players? I mean, they find a deficient position. In other words, the, um, this four-star receiver didn't work out. This four-star receiver broke his leg, and we're all of a sudden thin at receiver. So instead of trying to recruit a freshman and, and hoping for the best, we'll go to the portal right, you got and, a ready, and find a very you, serviceable player. You've got a ready-made player. Who makes those decisions? I think, I think contributors to NILs would be very interested in how we land on certain players in certain positions. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that is left up to Coach Beamer and, and their staff and Coach Paris and his so staff. So your but, interaction, your and Jeremy's interaction with Shane on something like that looks like what? I mean, we, you know, listen, we we went to the biggest priority that we had leaving the 2023 season is is making sure that there were guys on our roster that we kept. You know, there, there, there was a list of, uh, of players that we And it looks to me, I, I'm, I'm interrupting you, but it looks to me like you guys made pretty significant investments in the O&D line. Yes. You felt there were quality players there that could be developed into really good players. And instead of allowing those kids to be enticed by the portal, we kept you, you made investments down. to keep them here? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and to be honest with you, there is not an offensive or defensive lineman who has been a significant contributor in the past that, uh, that is leaving the University of South Carolina. And NIL is 100% part of that equation. Who, who evaluates and brings you a player and who assigns a value to that player? I just think so many people who are interested in making contributions would be interested in the logistics of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation that Jeremy and I have you know, on a, on a daily, sometimes hourly, minutely basis. But we, we work with the coaching staff to figure out, you know, we kind of understand what our generalized budget is. And, you know, I mean, it's a little bit, okay, well, what, you know, what do we value? And we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast. Okay, what do we value the starting left tackle? What do we value the starting right tackle? What do we value? What percentage of our budget? So if I go to a, someone and say, okay, you know, your budget is $5 million, right? Then they say, okay, well, we're going to put, we're going to say we're going to pay the starting left tackle 3%. Well, what's 3% of of five million, right? We're going to figure out those numbers across the way, and I'm I'm just those are round numbers. I'm not using specifics, sure. but but um, that would I mean that's kind of a little bit of taking that a little bit of that NFL model. Now I guess the argument is it's a little bit of a self-imposed salary cap. It is, 
Um, but for whatever, but it's the self-imposed salary cap for everybody, right? I mean, you know, some people are going to be raising $12, $15 million to spend on a football team. Some people are going to be raising, you know, three or two or $3 million to spend on a football team, right? But you got to make the best with the resources you got to field a competitive program. Do you take it personal when a kid transfers that you didn't think would? I mean, obviously, there's some kids just don't fit. I mean, they're good portal players. This kid came here, not as good as we thought he'd be. He's not going to be a major contributor. And then there's these other kids that you think you've got them in a good place. You think everything is is the way it should be. And out of left field, they decide to transfer. I mean, kids are kids. I mean, they're well, they're not going to – I don't give a damn how much money we've got or how much legalities we put in place. A kid's going to be a kid. And, and you've got to be prepared for the kid being the kid. But do you take that personal? I don't take it personally. I mean, I really don't. And as, as hard as, I mean, there's there are some situations that I get frustrated about. Frustrated would be a better word. Right. There, there, but I don't take it personal from the aspect that, you know, as much as people don't like NIL, I think this is the closest thing to preparing these kids for the real world as there ever was. I mean, there are a lot of times where I've been in a job position, I've got offered another job that I had to weigh whether I was going to take it or not, right? And, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Sometimes you think it is, and sometimes it is greener on the other side. Sometimes it might be that you want a different work environment instead of the, you know, and you're willing to offset the pay for that. I mean, there, there are so many different, and I think as fans, we have to realize that, right? If you own a construction company and, and, and your guy leaves for the guy down the street, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of things. What, what, is it different hours? Is it different pay? Is it different benefits? Is it different, you know, work-life balance? I mean, there, there are so many different things that take in that consideration. But then all of a sudden when we come to college football, we're like, oh, well, they, they have to be locked in for, for five years or four years or whatever the number is. is I mean, this is the real world. Now, I guess the, the, the reality of that is we, there have to be some guidelines that contractually obligate some of those guys for a period of time or, or, you know, punishment, I guess, to, I mean, a buyout or whatever it may be if they leave, right? I mean, yeah, a coach can leave anytime he wants to, but there are penalties for him leaving. Right now, there's not a penalty for a guy leaving. It's um, the Wild West. I mean, you wake up every day feeling like you're settling the West. You're Lewis and Clark. You don't know what's out there, but whatever comes your way, you got to deal with. Because it is, to some degree, the Wild West. It, it, it is, but the Wild West is me dropping a brown paper bag of cash off at some kid's back door okay. and, and hoping that he comes to that South Carolina. That never happened. Stop accusing teams of that. You know that never happened. This is the first time we've ever played paid college football players to play to play football. Yeah, wink, wink, but, nod, but, I mean, nod, that's nod the, there. That's the Wild West, right? I mean, this is, this is contracts. This is negotiations. Negotiations. It's just new. That's what it is. It's 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 not it's not the wild. It might be well, the wild west of Lewis and Clark. It's not the wild west of the Cowboys and Indians a little bit. You know what I mean? And so you know where there are no rules. So so, so in and, and and this is kind of a weird way to ask the question. I mean, when you look at Texas and Texas A and M. I mean, up through the ground come a bubble in crude. I mean, that's kind of a different animal. I mean, they, they raise as much as they have to raise, and they'll continue to raise as much as they have to raise. What I mean, I'm not asking you what our budget is. I don't want you to disclose any of that. But but how do we decide what our number is to go compete with Georgia, to go compete with Tennessee, to go compete with with LSU? We'll never raise as much as Texas and Texas A&M, but hell, nobody else in America will. I mean, everybody's we're in a bigger boat than they are. But but how do we decide what our number needs to be, and 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 how do we get there? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is we we work with the coaches to figure out what they feel like their needs are, right? I mean, you know, I mean, but they're learning as well, Mark. Absolutely, they're learning. I mean, and so a little bit of it's a guess, right? I mean, you learn what's a good value, what's a bad value. I mean, and there's some there's some give and take in that. 
Um, but I mean, but listen, I mean, I, I'll say it publicly. We need to raise somewhere between seven, eight, nine million dollars a year across the school to 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 give ourselves a fighting chance. I mean, you're going to see some of these numbers that are that are thrown out from other schools. Some of that is over a period of time. You know, I mean, you'll see. I think Auburn, I think, has said it. They've raised twenty million dollars. Well, that might not be twenty million dollars cash on hand, right? I mean, that might be over a a, a four year commitment. Well, then that would only be five million dollars a year, right? We need to raise somewhere. I mean, somewhere between five and ten million dollars is is what I think is the answer for us to be competitive across school wide on a competitive basis. I think we can give our our coaches the resources they need with that amount. Of money. The one thing politicians at times forget to do is ask for the vote. You get caught up in these speeches about the economy and taxes and, you know, uh, voting rights and immigration and whatnot, and you you fail to ask people to vote for you. I don't want you to I don't want you to fail at making sure our listeners, viewers, however many they are, wherever they are, understand how important it is to be a member of Garnet Trust, how essential it is to help you meet that number, and how they can find out more, how they can be a part of this team. I guess I'm I'm, I'm giving you the equivalent of asking someone to vote for you. But but it, it, this is I mean to me, and, and I'll say it, not because Jeremy and Mark's in the room. To me, if you get this wrong, you lose, period. If you get it right, there's a chance you win. And, and I think getting it right is essential. And, and I do believe this, Mark, as a longtime Gamecock fan, and you've heard me yell and scream and cuss, and, and I won't go into that. I think this is a reset of college football. I think the tradition Alabama has, the tradition Ohio State has, it matters. I mean, it always will matter. But this is our chance as Gamecock Nation to play catch-up in a hurry if we commit ourselves to NIL. How can people find out more, and how can they make a contribution? Right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a true politician. One, they never forget to ask for money. Politicians never forget to ask for money. They, always, they might forget to ask for the <laughs> well, money. Well, I'll they, agree with that. They don't yeah. forget to ask Send for money. Send me a check. So, oh, yeah, so, vote for me. <laughs> but I'll, I, will, I will very much ask for money. But, but I, I want to get there via a story. And I've said this before, and, you know, we didn't know. I think the last time we talked, I don't know, the, the uh, championships, the conference championships had not happened yet, so we weren't sure who, how the bowl setup was going to be, all this kind of stuff. When was the last time that Michigan played for a national championship? 27 years ago? It was 1997, right? Okay. The last time that Washington played for a national championship was 1991, right? So... Over almost thirty years for both those programs that have not been irrelevant, they've they've, they've been on the they've been on the scene, but they have not competed for a, cha- a a national championship in nearly thirty years for both schools. Right, that that's the first time that a a what a what a, what I would call a newbie has made it to this level in a long long time. Right, Georgia had not won a national championship in forty one years before the, before they won it. They had been on the scene. Clemson has been on. They had not won a championship for about forty years before they won one. They had been on the scene for 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 the previous decade. Um, but I mean, this is you talk about a reset for college football. How many fans do you think you would have asked on Saturday afternoon before the or Friday, Monday afternoon before those games kicked off if Alabama or Texas wouldn't be in the national championship? Very. I cute. mean, this is a chance, especially in this part of the country. This is a chance for teams that have, for, you know, people say, well, this is this is going to further separate the haves and have-nots. And I don't think that could be further from the truth, Ken. This is a chance for, for, for the have-nots to take a stand, for Missouri to beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, for, for Ole Miss to win their first 11-win season ever. 
ever. And and so I think that it just goes back further to the pitch. I mean, that for, for Gamecock fans, if you want to win, I mean, this is your chance to buy in. And if you want to be a part of building something special, and don't get me wrong, we've got great facilities, we've got great fans, we've we've had terrific buy-in from our fan base across across the board. This is just the next step. But but okay, but but we've had mediocre success. We have great fans, unbelievable facilities, mediocre success. Well, guess what doesn't breed mediocre success? Great players. And how do you get great? How do you get and retain great players in today's world? It is NIL. It is GarnetTrust.com. Go to Garnet Trust, sign up today. You can join for as little as 10 bucks a month. If you're interested in, in making a contribution a, a larger to the Garnet Trust Foundation, it can be a tax, 100% tax deductible. You know, Email me at mark at GarnetTrust.com. Please get in touch with us because, listen, if you want to compete this is this is the way to compete. You stuck the landing, my man. You asked for the vote and the money. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. And thanks to Jeremy. Thanks to both of you guys for what you do. Um, as a loyal and longtime Gamecock fan, I want to win. I wondered if I was going to live long enough to ever see success on the football field. I, I feel a little more optimistic. I mean, I do feel like that this is a new model of college football. I mean, it's our, it's our opportunity. I mean, we'll decide to take a pass or we'll decide to invest, and I hope we make some serious investments. I do believe, and I think Mark and Jeremy believe this, there's other changes coming. I mean, there'll be other tweaks coming um, down the pike, but it is what it is right now. And, um, and if Gamecock fans are serious about competing, they'll figure out a way to fund this NIL Garnet Trust so that we can um, – uh, retain and acquire the players to compete with the big boys of college football. Want to once again, and I know you do as well. Want to thank Rick, uh, Rick Havacos and Mickey Fins. Once again, big variety, a large selection. N- normally more expensive. Not a big variety, not a large selection. N- normally on the cheap. Rick has figured out a way to have the best prices on the largest selection. And the, uh, and the best quality. And I know he's a good friend of yours and a supporter he's, of Garnet he's Trust. He's been a great supporter of Garnet Trust, a great supporter of the University of South Carolina. Um, I think this will be Jeremy's first stop at Mickey Finn's one-stop party shop. So I'm gonna, I can't wait to, to, to take him by there whenever we leave here. And that's a wrap. Thank you, my man. Thank you.